0: Well, this time of year, if we go to the local gym, it is probably a very busy place. Uh, See, Planet Fitness has their advertisement, I saw their truck out, uh, says uh, 10 bucks, no commitment. That's kinda what happens to a lot of people because in about four to six weeks, if you go to that gym, uh, it's gonna be pretty vacant. Uh, Those numbers are gonna drop off. A lot of people start off with good intentions, gonna get in shape, new year, and they all disappear. Uh, They say maybe 10% of us might keep our resolutions that we decide to do with a new year. Well, hopefully spiritually uh, we do a little bit better job than that because that's a lot more important than anything else. And that's what I want us to look at this morning is to think about our spiritual health. Are there some areas we'd like to make some improvement? Would we like this year to be different than last year? This is a good time of year to make a commitment. It's never too late to make changes. And today is a day to make a change in our spiritual welfare. At the end of Matthew's Gospel, we find Jesus gives the Great Commission. And when we look at that Great Commission, it implies some basic Christian fundamentals that we need to have. Because if we fail to understand these fundamentals, we're going to miss the whole point of the gospel. Just basic things. This is the time of year when uh, college football playoffs are taking place. The pros are getting ready to go into the playoff season. And we will find that the teams that win are going to do the basic things the best. Blocking, tackling, catching the ball, hanging on to the ball. do basic things like that, they'll win. Christianity is very similar. Just basic things. Let's listen to what Jesus has to say. So Matthew 28, we'll start at verse 16. And stand with me as we read these verses to the end. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let us pray. Father, what encouraging uh, parting words our Savior gave to his disciples, his followers, us today. Father, help us to look to the one that holds all authority. The one who is with us at all times never forsakes us. Father, help us to walk worthy. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We're going to look at three basics we find in these verses. One is we need to walk in Scripture. Second one is We need to walk as a witness and third we need to walk in fellowship those will make a huge difference in our christianity Uh, now the first one walk in scriptures after stating his uh, position of authority jesus gives a command all authority all power is given unto me heaven and earth go ye therefore and teach all nations Some translations will put it, go and make disciples of all nations. Then in verse 20, uh, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And this command is so important for our time because we we tend to live in a superficial age. The Christian walk is a lifetime commitment to Jesus Christ. It's not just a 30-day deal. It's a lifetime commitment. And Jesus said, we're to teach people to observe all his commands. And to do that, we need to be a people that is learning ourselves so that we can teach others. We, you may not realize it, but every person here has a teaching ministry. You might think, well, I don't teach a class. But I tell you what, you're teaching somebody. Everyone here is teaching somebody. Uh, if you're a husband, you're, you're teaching your wife something. If you're a wife, you're teaching your husband. If you have children, you're teaching children. Even little children can teach parents and adults. But you have influence. Maybe with a brother, a sister, mom and dad, nephew, a cousin, a neighbor, someone at work. But everyone is touching another life and has a teaching ministry. And we're to teach all the commands of Jesus not just some of them, all of them. To observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. What we see today many times is the opposite. Some today are trying to eliminate as much of the teaching of Jesus as possible. In other words, We have some out there that just focus on things that are easily comprehended and unoffensive. But uh, if we're going to teach all of Jesus, there's going to be some tough things to teach. There are some uh, standards that Jesus has and what he expects of his people. We just can't have a Reader's Digest unoffensive version of the Bible and leave those things out. But some people do. Now is the time when people really focus on methods. Well, here's how you do this, and here's how you do that. And the content is overlooked. We need to know the content, God's Word. We need to walk in the Bible and know it deeply. I remember years ago, Dr. Donnelly, uh, he used to head up the Department of History at Eastern Washington University, especially the education part. So he would head up the program if you wanted to go in and be certified in social studies and history, Uh, he worked with you in that area to get your teacher's certificate. And one of the things he stressed to us is, you have to know your content. You have to know your history. You have to know what you're teaching. You can't teach until you know your content. Pretty hard to teach stuff that you don't know about. remember one time they wanted me to take an English class, and, and... teach all these books and Shakespeare for a long-term deal. Well, that's not my content area, so I turned that one be a fish out of water. So I didn't take that. But we have to know our content. We can't teach Jesus unless we know Jesus. Amen. We have to know his words. We have to know his commands. His word needs to abide in us and we need to teach the entire Bible the whole council not just parts Howard Hendricks he said dusty Bibles always lead to dirty lives in fact he said you're either in the word and the word is conforming you to the image of Jesus Christ Or you are in the world, and the world is squeezing you into its mold. See, there's no in-between ground. It's one way or the other. And which is it? Are we in the Word? Now, it's never too late to get started being in God's Word. What we need to realize, this is not an ordinary book. It is a living book. It is God's living Word. And it's important for us to read it because God has a message for us, his people. That's very personal. Why should I read the Bible? Well, we learn about God. And we need to learn all we can about him. Isn't it interesting, many times Paul would pray for fellow believers that their knowledge and understanding would increase about the Lord. So we need to learn about who God is how he works, what his purpose is for us, and the Bible tells us. It's also important to read the Bible because it tells us about ourselves. I mean, you can go get all these psychology books, but if you want to learn about yourself, get in the Bible. It tells us who we are. It tells us how we function, how we should, what can trip us up, how we can overcome our sin nature, what Jesus did. And the cross. It's also important to read the Bible because it tells us how to be a Christian, how to live the Christian life. Paul, he wrote Timothy, you know, just save your spot here, but turn ahead to 2 Timothy. Book of 2 Timothy. Chapter 3, 2 Timothy, chapter 3. In verse 14, he tells Timothy, But continue, thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Furnished unto all good works. So there it is. God's word tells us how to live. Tells us what's wrong. Tells us how to get right. Tells us how to stay right. And what direction we need to walk for instruction and righteousness. So the Bible is our food. You want to be a growing Christian? Here's your food. Right here. Let me ask. Have you ever met a spiritually obese Christian? I'm not talking physically. A spiritually obese Christian who has read the Bible too much. Is there such a person? I don't think there is. Now, I've seen lots of starving Christians. I always like that poster I used to see in in, in the schools about smoking. Uh, It says, you know, what if smoking appeared on the outside of our body, what it was doing to the inside, and kind of showed this person looked like a zombie. I mean, their body just kind of being eaten away. Just really a horrible-looking picture. Well, that's what's going on on the inside. How about if we failed to read God's Word? What we look like on the outside? we look like some of those starving children over in other parts of the world that have no food. we just be famished, lean little bodies. Uh, and that's what happens if we don't read God's Word. We need to be in it. So to be physically healthy, we have to read, eat physical food. Spiritually, same way. We need to read God's word. Now, I, this is new, not new stuff. I shared this before, but I always like to go over it. Because for somebody, the light may come on today. But we need to have a systematic way of reading God's word. I don't want, want you to raise your hand, but how many of us can say right now, I have a systematic way of reading God's word. I know exactly, no, you, know, you, guys, you guys aren't supposed to raise your hands. You don't want to make these people feel guilty. <laughs> we, 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 I know, what, I'm about to pick out which ones of you do. But think about it. I know what I'm going to read today. I know what I'm going to read the next day. Uh, I like what Charles Brock says. You know, a lot of people just read the Bible when they get an urge. Then they'll open it up and say, well, you know, that kind of looks good. I'll read a few verses here. Then the next day, "Wow, where should I read? Maybe I'll open it over here. And I'll read a couple more verses there. Tell you what, if you do that, uh, you, you're going to start missing days. You just won't stay with it. Uh, I like what Brock says Let me give you an easy challenge. The New Testament. Read the New Testament through. Start with the Gospel of Matthew. And commit to read at least one chapter a day. So today I'm going to read Matthew 1. Well, tomorrow I'm going to read Matthew 2. After that, Matthew 3. That's a systematic system. Now, if you want to read two chapters a day, that's good. Because the next day you just pick up. Get deaf Matthew, go to Gospel of Mark. Get deaf Mark, go to Luke. And then John. So you know every day where you're going to be. If you read two chapters a day, you'll read through the New Testament in 19 weeks. Wouldn't that be good? In four months? I got the New Testament knocked out. Now if you want to add to that, add the Old Testament. Start in Genesis. Two chapters a day. And then one chapter in the New Testament. Gospel of Matthew. Three chapters a day, and you'll read through the Bible in one year. That's what it takes. So You know where you're going to be every day. Now, if you miss a day, you just pick up where you left off. If you can read some extra chapters, go ahead. But don't worry. If it takes you two to three years to get through the Bible, just stay with it. But I'd encourage you, if you're not reading anything, make a commitment today. I am going to read at least one chapter every day. Anybody can do that. You can get to the end of the day and say, wow, I haven't done it. Open it up. Get the one chapter done. Get a regular time. The earlier in the day, the better. You'll have more success. Next Sunday, if I ask, if you have a systematic Bible reading time, I hope everyone can say, yeah, I do. could raise your hand. Get anything, get that. So we need to walk in God's Word. Today is a good day to purpose to do that. Second, if we look at what Jesus says here, we need to walk as a witness. Notice Jesus said go. We're not to wait for the world to come to our door. We're to go. Uh, The world is coming to our door though. It really is. But we're to go out. We look in the book of Acts chapter 1. In Acts 1. Uh, verse 8 Jesus says but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth there's the goal that's a big platform Start where you're at and continue on out. And every church has to have that kind of reach. We need to reach locally and globally. We need to have both. Oh, oh, that's not a New Testament church. Early in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 4, if you turn back to chapter 4, It's interesting, when Jesus called his disciples, uh, he put the task right up front. In chapter four, verse 18, uh, Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets, and followed him. And that's what they became. We are to be fishers of men. We're to be witnesses everywhere you, we go. Uh, now, if you want to learn how to do that, just go with Chuck. Spend time with Chuck for a day. Uh, you'll just learn a lot from that guy. I mean, he just talks to everybody about Jesus. That's what he does. And he just makes it so natural. But let me give you some help. Uh, I get these from Dr. C. Sumner-Wemp. I like what he says. He says, number one, believe God. Jesus said the harvest is plenteous. And the workers are few. There is a big harvest out there. And some Christians believe that, well, there's nobody out there. But there's lots of people out there that need to hear about Jesus. And most likely, they're right next to us. That neighbor, that coworker, that family member. They just need to hear. They're just waiting to be invited. I mean, if you invite people to church, you never know who will show up. I mean, the worst they can do is just say no. But just realize, believe God, that the harvest is plenteous. Man, I'm amazed that the people have showed up here. People from the Middle East. Who would have thought that in our own church? Just amazing what God will do with an invitation. So believe believe God. Second, he says pray for souls. Every day ask God to meet people. Pray for the salvation of specific people. You know, it's amazing how, what would happen over a year's time if we just did that. Lord, help me to meet people. Give me specific people to pray for. James says, you have not because you ask not. Just ask. Pray for souls. And then 30 says, Obey God. Jesus said, We are to target the world, all nations. Target everyone. I get a little concerned when I see churches that have a very narrow, specific target. That's kind of real popular. Uh, There'll be new startups, and they'll say, Well, we're here, we're, we're here, we're going to target. Uh, people ages 18 to 33 in this economic class. I think we need a bigger target. A little more inclusive. Target people. Jesus said, Here, we're going to the world, to the uttermost parts. Take it everywhere. All nations. All people nothing less. Dr. Wimp also says number four, look for people that God has prepared to hear about him. Uh, This is where you need to get your spiritual antennas up. Be sensitive, be listening. There are people out there that God is working in their lives and he is preparing them to hear about Jesus. So anytime you are with a coworker, worker a neighbor, or a friend, or a family member, and they talk about spiritual things, may not be directly about Jesus, but if they ask you know, about life after death, or talk about stuff like that, that shows God is probably working in their heart. The Holy Spirit is starting to reveal some things. Pick up on that and push a little farther. See where they're at. You know, just ask them, what do you mean by that? What do you think about this? What do you think about turning? What do you think happens? And start moving in that area. So be sensitive. Look for people. God is prepared. Number five, share what the Bible says says don't get stuck in your own opinion that's why you have to know God's word because you're going to come into situations the more you know of God's word the more you'll have to share you say well this is what the Bible says and just share it with them you know Paul said I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it's just amazing what God's word will do. Just share it. Number 6. Ask for boldness. The apostles did. They prayed for boldness. Book of Acts, we see they're praying, "Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak the word." And they did. In Acts 4.31 says, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Paul, in, in his letters, he says, pray for me that I may be bold and speak like I should. Ask for boldness. And number seven, I like number seven. He says, relax. He says, let God do the work. You're not to change people. God does that work. We're just to share. And he'll take over. Walk the scriptures. Walk as a witness. Boy, if we did those things, what would our witness look like? The third one, walk in fellowship. Fellowship. Verse 20, Jesus says, And lo, I'm with you always. We're not called to go alone on this task. Jesus is with us. In fact, it'd be impossible to do it by ourselves, He's with us. He gives us that promise. We're never alone. And He desires to have fellowship with us every day. That happens as we read His Word, we encounter Jesus Christ. That's why it's important to be in God's Word. We have that fellowship. That happens as we gather as God's people. Jesus made that promise. We're just two or three are gathered in His name. He is in our midst. And we have fellowship as we come together as God's people. And then it happens when we pray. We have fellowship with the Lord. I like what John Laidlaw says. He says the main lesson about prayer is this. Do it, do it, do it. You want to learn about prayer? Just do it. It's as simple as that. Just praying. It'll make the difference. Fellowship with Christ. What a huge difference. Isn't it interesting that Peter and John, when they were arrested and brought in to the religious leaders, and they asked, by what name did you do this? Peter unloaded. He said, by Jesus of Nazareth. And after he shared with them, they pulled aside. And remember what the observation is? They realized that they were unlearned men, but they saw their boldness and they came to the conclusion that they had been with Jesus. They recognized that. When people encounter us, do they recognize we have been with Jesus? That we have fellowship with him? You know, they're just some people, it's obvious. They've been with Jesus. So that fellowship is so important. David Livingston, the great missionary to Africa, he claimed these very verses as his life verse. Back one time he was speaking at the University of Glasgow in 1896 to a bunch of students. And he shared with them, would you like me to tell you what supported me through all these years of exile? among a people whose language I could not understand, whose attitude towards me was always uncertain, often hostile. It was this, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Livickson said, On these words, I staked everything. They never failed. Without Christ, not one step. With Christ anywhere. And he went to Africa. Fellowship with Jesus. So important. He is the one that holds on to us. We need to realize that. John 10, Jesus gave us the promise. He says, I hold you in my hand. No one can take you. We belong to him. He holds us. And he holds us every day. Realize that. That is so important. That makes such a difference. It's hard to do it alone. We can't. But with his walking with us, his fellowship, his holding us, we can. Yesterday the grandkids came over and they're sledding on the hill by our house up in the bank there. Uh, Not a very big hill, but it's got a pretty good little run out of it. A pretty little steep hill goes out into the field. after a while, Greenlee, our three-year-old granddaughter, they're getting tired. So it's time to go back in the house, walk down the bank, you know, about a foot of snow. And she's kind of wore out and kind of falling down. I said, do you want me to hold on to you? She said, yeah. So she gave me her hand. I held on to her hand. And if she walked down that bank on her own, well, she just would have rolled down it. But you know what? I took her hand, and I'm a lot bigger. And it was easy for me to walk down that snow bank. And she tripped, but I held her. And she didn't fall. We got her down the bank and in the house. How much more does our Savior hold on to us? It's so easy for Him to walk us through life. Piece of cake for Him. Difficult for us, but when He's holding us, it's easy. Maybe today, I don't know what God is saying to your heart. Maybe He's touched someone. Uh, Hopefully, someone is challenged today. I want to read one chapter every day. I'm going to start with that. Give that to the Lord. If you need to come to the altar and give it to Him, do that. Maybe another one's been challenged. I need to be a witness. I'm going to do those things that Dr. Wimp outlined, be a better witness. Maybe someone is struggling and, you know, I've been trying to walk the Christian life by myself. I need to let Jesus hold on to me. Walk me through. You need to come. Today's the day. You come. How? am going to bring you back up. Jesus paid it all. All to him Oh, Let's stand as we sing that invitation. What is God laying on your heart? Do you need to come and Be at the altar and give it to him. Do you need me to pray with you? I will. You come. As we sing.